Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. This is Anthony Robbins host, The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. This is Anthony Robbins host, The Reality Is Where Filtering Becomes Extinct. So we give y'all real, real noise. <laughs> I've been lying for so long. I've been lying for so long. <laughs> Believe me, I'm probably a porno, pornoologist. We cannot continue to deny women or minorities access to a system that has everything but their input. You are now If I could tell anybody something about from the heart of a kid, when I look into these kids' eyes and I when, you know, when, I, when I talk to them, you know the one thing they're looking for? They look for someone just to say or say to them, Am I worth loving? Alright, this is Anthony Roberts, host of the reality is and welcome to episode 96 of the reality is where filtering becomes extinct. I got my good friend, man. We got the philanthropist, the mentor, <laughs> the CEO, T.C. Hughes of TonyCurtisHughes.com, man. How you doing today? Brother, I'm well, man. How you doing? Man, I'm good, man. You I can't introduce like Steve Harvey, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> hey, it ain't me. I can't introduce and tell something about somebody if it's not true. I heard that, man. It's so, all truth, man. Hey, man. So how long you been doing this mentoring thing, you know, man? I've been That's doing what we mentoring. Caught up with. Uh, Great question. Uh, officially about three years, unofficially about, you know, five. Yeah. And I just started with, uh, I was going through what's called uh, Project Turnaround. Mm-hmm. You know, some sisters over there. And they're like, yo, you know, over at uh, Oakland Bible Fellowship in Oakland, Texas, you know, we need some, some guys to come do some career days. Would you mind speaking? They allowed me to select a school. I said Kemble High School, which is where I, where I, where I graduated from. Okay. Did that, and it turned out so well, you know, it was like, Okay, well now we need some we need some uh, mentors, yeah. you know, some of our boys. We need them to get to the next level. Do you mind? And so I started with just uh, one boy, you know, one boy, uh, uh, Mr. Woodard, D. Woodard. Mm-hmm. Started with him. He was a junior. Got him all the way through his senior year, and I noticed just the impact, not of just only him, but the boys around him yeah. that began to come to the to the group. So uh, I said, you know what? I know how important mentoring has been to my life. It's time to give back. And it's crazy that you say that because that was my first, the question I was going to ask, I was going to say, what kind of interactions did you have with mentorship as a kid? Because for me, I can vaguely remember like a few things because, you know, if we don't have a father, then we, growing up when I grew up and when you grew up, it was kind of like you inherited through your, your uncle or yeah. somebody at church. So what was your first experience as a kid with mentoring? You want, you want me to tell you the truth? Man, you can be honest with me, bro. All right. So my very first experience with mentorship was through the autobiography of Malcolm X. Okay. And it's crazy because you think, how does a dead guy <laughs> talk to a living man? Yeah. But I always say this about words, which I'm a writer, and I understand the importance of it, is that once you write them down, it become history. Yeah. One way or the other, it's history. So here this guy was, I'm looking at his autobiography of Malcolm X, 
uh, all of his speeches, the Battle of the Bullet, you know, everything about him, not the, the, the mystical side of yeah. him, but the man, yeah. you know, what did he stand for, what was yeah. his principles. And as you just said, without having a dad in your life, you're looking for manhood yeah. wherever you can find it. And yeah. if you don't find the right place, you find the wrong, wrong place. place. But thankfully, I was able to, someone at 16 gave me the autobiography of Malcolm X and told me also to read the, the book of Proverbs. And those two things at 16, when I was at the crossroad, that, that crossroad of yeah. life helped me to go the right direction. And when you talk in Proverbs, you mean the book of the Bible, right? The book of the Bible, Proverbs, yeah. So what was special about that? I'm, I'm, I grew up in church, but I'm telling you, my, I haven't brushed upon my Bible skills in a while. Right, so right, right. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about what I love so much about Proverbs, what struck me so much. Because there is nothing in life to this day that you cannot find in the book of Proverbs. I'm talking, And for a dude especially, yeah. talking about women. You know, how not to let a woman's beauty overtake you. How not to be caught up, you know, by... Oh, that's hard these it, days. It's very hard. How not to let her beauty, beauty overtake you. I say booty. I'm about to say booty. Too. You heard it. That, that booty. I'm about to, I'm about to come that in. Name, bro. I know, I know how, who this is going to reach. I know your audience. I'm going to pull back. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. This so, is not gospel. Yeah, let's talk about the sex, you know, friendship, uh, revenge, issues of the heart. The greatest scripture in the Bible for me is... Uh, Keep that heart with all diligence, yeah. for out of the heart flows the issues of life. Ponder the path of your feet. So think where you're going, yeah. and above everything else, make sure your heart is right, because that's where everything you're going to do is going to come to you. It's yeah. going to flow from your heart. So Proverbs has all that in there, man, and I just I just loved it, gravitated to it, and, and that's a big part of what I do now. And I think about mentorship for myself, and the name that pops out is, uh, his name was Marvell McFadden. When I was going to church, it was a guy who came into the church. I think I was probably like 12 years old when he finally came to the church. But the thing that made him different was, uh, I grew up in a church that was kind of like, it was basically cogent, Pentecostal, like straight. Women, no lipstick, no earrings, pantyhose, <laughs> long dresses, <laughs> yes. don't have sex. But when they was having sex, they was getting pregnant because yes. nobody actually talked about it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Uneducated. Yeah, so when he came in, he fell in line with that because he was searching for something. And I think he came in when he was like 47, 40 something years old. And then I think maybe after three or four years of seeing what the church was and finding God for himself, he started not to be funny, kind of believing the way me and you believe, maybe not as radical as I believe, but he started kind of being like, like you talked about the books of the Bible and knowing it for yourself. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And a lot of times, you know, we go to church and it's like, we don't really know the word for ourselves. We listen to the pastor mm -hmm. and we take what he says and we don't even go home and study it. Yeah. There's no relationship. In that. And it's dangerous. No to education that. in that. So why is mentoring so important to young men and how important is it to continue having a mentorship or mentor in adulthood, which you is know, what we don't? I think why it's so important for young men is, let's, let's be honest, okay, we're both men sitting here, right? We've been mm -hmm. men all our life, man, yeah. we'll change, right? Yeah. So there are so many different stages of manhood. You have one to three, four to about seven, eight to about, about 11. You got about 12 to about maybe 16. You got about 17 to about right at 20. Then you hit that 21-year-old to about 24. Critical stage when he turns 25, at 25 to about 28, 29 to about, so every three or four years, a man begins to cycle over. And life's going to start asking you these questions that I tell my boys all the time. Who are you? Yeah. What is your name? What are you going to do? What are you going to do now? Even at a young age, so there's a boy out there right now. Life is already asking in its own way, on yeah. its own level, who are you? What is your name? Because you know why? So many of them gravitate to LeBron James or 50 Cent because life is asking, who are, who are you? you? And there is no man like us or particularly their father yeah. to say, this is who, well, you, who are. you are. Or it's, who you should be. Or who you should be. Sure. Or more importantly, who you will be. I'm going to look into your future. Yeah. I'm going to find it because 
you are my seed, yeah. and I'm going to tell you in advance what you're going to what become, you're going to yeah. and this is what you're going to do to get to that destination. Basically kind of like speaking life into speaking the Speaking life. And that's, I think that's so important because, like, we really don't... I know personally, man, I'm just now starting to listen to, like, daily affirmations exactly. and, and trying to hear things because a lot of times growing up, bro, I, what was, I'm, I'm going to have to skip to something because you said something when I was watching it this morning. I was watching your videos and you said, because I got... And I, said, I appreciate you watching bro, the videos. Bro, I appreciate I watch them when you put them out, but I, was, yeah. I, I, like I said, I was trying, I was like, it's hard to research somebody that you know. That you know. So yeah, it's yeah. like, I wanted to talk about the mentorship, but like I said, we'll dive into some other stuff as right. well and just have like God talk. Right. But you said one, you said, turn down the noise in your life so that you can hear the sound of your dreams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what does that mean? So when you say that, what is what are you saying when you tell somebody, turn down the noise in your life so that you can hear the sound of your dreams. Love it. Turn out of the noise so you can hear the sound of your dreams. It simply means this, and especially for creatives, mm-hmm. those who are great at a lot of things, but they don't know how to bring them all bring it together. T- together, right? Or a lot of things are pulling at you and you have no energy for you. Yeah. Or we live in a, a society that gives us quick, instant gratification. True. And we don't know how to have delayed gratification. So everything has to be quick, fast, and in a hurry. True. But there's no, let me think about this thing a little bit longer. So turn down the noise. The noise is the things that, that will not profit you, the things that are going to take you away from who you need to be, where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. Because there is a danger in the detour, and the road to success is very narrow. Yeah. You know, so if you're going to really get to that dream, you know, you, to hear it, it's like yeah. a frequency of sound of what we're doing right now. Before sure. we got on here, well, you had to hear a lot of right. channels to get this sound <laughs> the right way. And that is indicative of what we got to do as people. We yeah. have a soundboard with all these keys and colors and all these things. And if we don't set everything just the right way, the frequency is going to be off. Yeah. Our voice may be good. It may be good for the time. Yeah. But if we can't turn down the noise and understand which channel of light we're supposed to be on, when we're supposed to be on it and have execution within that, then we're going to be just, you know, having dreams but no reality. So we have to turn down the noise, quiet things down. I was telling uh, people on my show, I talk to TC every uh, every Saturday at 2 p.m., that there's a lot of times in life where you have to shut down the cell phone, tell honey boo-boo, I'm chilling for a minute. Yeah. You even have to stop having sex because sex does drain your energy. You, got to, yeah. you have to really just take everything and say no for a second yeah. and hone in on what you're trying to do. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Your dream is always talking. True. In fact, the reason why you can't sleep is because your, your dream is up and it's trying to wake you up. Yeah, I feel that. It's trying time. to wake you. And know you what I'm talking about? And you said something. Man, I'm telling you. Let me see all your dreams. Man. All right. This is it, bro. You said something in reference to this. Um, I think it was the last one you did last week. And you said, are your dreams too big for you? Mm. And you said, your dreams should outlive you, you. And it should be enough space for someone to pick it up when you where you left off. That's legacy, yeah. And when you said that, I was like, it's crazy because I know a lot of times, even with podcasts, and I tell people all the time, so many people be like, hey, man, this is a great podcast. You talk about politics. You talk about religion. You talk about sex. You talk about the uh, black culture. You talk about this and that. And they always talk about how I cover everything. And they say, hey, man, it's going to be big one day. And I hear people say that, but I'm the type of person, I'm like, where's the criticism, though? Like, I, I know I'm not perfect. So it's like sometimes I doubt myself and say, can I be as big as a Steve Harvey? Can I be? And not to be funny, I want to be me. I don't want to be a Steve Harvey. Yeah, and yeah, I know yeah. you know about that. Like, you probably got people telling you, hey, you'll be this because you're speaking and so many public speakers. But every time I listen to you talk, and first of all, I know when you're talking, it's not bullshit. 
Thank and you. I learned that from us having that class together at UTA yeah. when we when when Julian created a safe haven for us to talk. Yeah. And we'll talk later about sometimes when we would say things and we used to ruffle yeah, those yeah, white yeah, kids' yeah. feathers. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I was talking about that and I was like, "Are my dreams too big for me?" So, what made you come up with that saying, or what what was your thought process when you when you made that statement? Because a lot of times we get we become hostage of fear. Yeah, you know, we become enslaved to the impossibilities. Mm-hmm. And won't have our will. We got you have to will yeah. to go get something. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, we think that there's no one else who can do it with us, mm-hmm. or we get afraid, especially as African American community, mm-hmm. we feel competition. Oh, bro, you said that. We feel the competition, like you God. doing something I'm doing, but instead of us networking and, and catching it and having a greater, we go on Facebook Live on the next yeah. stop, bro, because we got. I was thinking, I was like, why am I not putting this out? Yeah, so go ahead, because you're talking, bro. So we have this thing where we're not networking. We're like we're in the same circle, but we're not networking yeah. and expanding our reach. Yeah. We don't have a council, and so because of all these things, when we die, this vision and this dream dies with us. I, I say this too, you know, God gives a vision to one man, but He gives the mission to, to an entire me, yeah, nation. Yeah, I remember, yeah, a yeah. nation. That means that's multiple people. Yeah. And and it does a couple of things. It keeps you humble. It keeps you off the island of isolation. Yeah. And it keeps you out of that environment of arrogance that, that, that would destroy you when you think it's only you, yeah. when you think there's no one else like you, yeah. and when you think that at the end of the day, it is because it's of you. you. Yeah. No, there is no you. At the end of the day, everything you're doing is supposed to be about somebody, somebody else. else. And if you die and you doing it right, it will be for oh, someone yes. else. And someone else will be able to live through it, continue it, grow it, <laughs> expand it. And your legacy lives far past yeah. that your name has ever been. Yeah, yeah that's so crazy because that's big. Because I remember when I first started the podcast, I had people that were doing it with me. And like now, of course, it's just me. Right. And then my girl helps me do you know the the business side of it, and she handles that, and, and I take care of this. But it's so funny when you said that because when I had and when I first started, I had about fifteen people working with me, and when I would bring them on, I would be like, "Hey, let's work together to get something bigger than who we are. Work with me." I would always say, "You're working with me, not for me," because mm-hmm. I can't pay you what you're worth. Right. But if you bring something to the table and you're intentional about what you're trying to push, and we have an agenda, we can go further. But like you said, so many people want to do their own thing right. and I just made a post the other day and I was like especially and I didn't say black the black community but I meant it for the black community specifically if we could work together and hone in on our strengths and our weaknesses because some people that are following should be leading mm-hmm. and some people that are leading should be following oh, yeah. but you got people who don't know their place and everybody wants to lead when actuality you're not even good enough to do certain mm-hmm. things you may be great at something else but you're holding yourself back by trying to do something that you see somebody else doing and you want to do it because you want the notoriety, you want the props, but you're not even that good. Like, not to be funny, I can't do what you do. Mm-hmm. And first of all, this Facebook Live thing, like, I'm going to do it because I know that's something you do and we are cross-promoting, right. but every time I see you do it, people always be like, why you don't do Facebook Live? And I'm like, I'm just not that person, man. Yeah. Like, I'm. this is me behind the scenes. But when I watch you do it, I'm like, He's walk like you are, like you say, like other pastors have said, you're walking in the purpose of you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? When I'm behind this and I'm creating the content, I'm walking in my purpose. Mm-hmm. But to be able to balance your strengths and weaknesses with somebody else, bro, yeah, you could go it's, so far. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. You know, the great thing about unity, and people say unity, we throw that word out there all mm-hmm. the time, but it's a universal law. Where there is unity, there is strength. We ain't got to do the right thing yeah. if we if we unified in that. It's going to be successful. It's going to be right, man. You know, but if you can find people or someone, whether it's business, personal, whatever, 
that says, I'm with you, I got you, and there's no jealousy, no envy, no strife, no malice, and you are really working together. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, and there's nothing that you cannot build. That's, That's the power of unity. All right. What's good, good? And what's good, evil? And what's good gangsters? And what's good people? And why God phone die every time that I call on them? If his son had a Twitter, wonder if I would follow him. Swallow them synonyms like... A, t- a lot of times, you know, I try to watch what I say. Right, right. You know, and a lot of people, I know when I first started doing podcasts, my mom was like, you saying some racy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And even at my last job, like when I was working for a doctor's office and I was there in... Um, Somebody found out I did podcasts, and one of the doctors came in, and he was like, hey, where did you do podcasts, and we want to listen to it, and I was like, uh, yeah. you know, boy, I be talking about racism and everything, mm-hmm. but it's like, I don't just focus on white people, I talk about black people. Now, when it comes to talking about racism with black people, do you feel like white people, black people can be racist? Absolutely. Everyone can. Okay, so un- under what, and then we're getting off topic, but we'll get back to it, but under, like, what is your mindset when you say that? Because most people be like, black people can't be racist because we can't systematically oppress someone. And I've kind of bought into that, but I'm like, some of the things that are happening right now, <clears throat> in my opinion, with Trump, I'm thinking about when Obama was in office. Yeah. We used to get mad when people would not call him President Obama. They would just say Mr. Obama. Right. We would get mad when they called Michelle Obama a monkey or they look like right. a monkey, but I'm like... I didn't vote for Trump, don't care for Trump. Mm-hmm. But I, I always look at, I always play devil's advocate and look at it as black people, you're doing the same thing to Trump that we did to, that people did to Obama. People did to Obama. And I was watching a movie the other day and it was about the Indians when America first started coming up. And it, I think it was called Frontier right. on uh, Netflix. And the Indian lady, it was, uh, it was uh, one of the men in the tribe and he wanted to kill the white man. And she was like, if you go kill them for no reason right now, because they're not taking our, they're not inhabiting our land, they're not killing us. If you go kill them because of what you heard they did to other tribes and you do that, what makes you any different from them? Yeah, what makes you any different? You know, here, I'll even put it this way, I'll, I'll put a spin to it. You know, not only are black people racist in a sense, but we're discriminatory of our own kind. Bro. So before we can say we're not we, uh, against someone else, you know, we suppress our own kind. True. Um, you look back at uh, the psychological making of a Negro, okay, the book that was written about mm-hmm. that explained how Willie Lynchism all started with, you know, the West Indian slave owner who came to America and showed uh, the slave owners how do you uh, break down, break the, down mindset the mindset, mind <clears throat> and body, and today are horses where you have the mind, but you also keep the body and they eat out of your hand just as a horse do and how you break them down by their color and yeah. their height and yeah. their nose and all these different But people things. don't believe that that's real though. That is so real. It, it still goes on today. So, so do you believe that okay so we were talking about black men at one point right. uh, I was talking to a couple of black women and they were talking about how black men cheat. Right. And I was like I hate when people do that because I'm like all men cheat. All men cheat. It's just like people will be like you know like not to be funny when I hear some white people say well you know uh, you know black men they smoke all this weed and I'm like okay and I guarantee if you go to South Lake or wherever right. and pull over one of them yeah. white women they got. I mean, have you been to Amsterdam? Huh? I'm like have you been to Amsterdam? No but I've heard a lot. No I'm about talking about that's the response yeah. like is that us over there? Yeah. No. No it's not. It's not. You know Everybody I mean? does it Everybody. but when I was telling them about I, this was my theory and I heard it and I, I've, I can't I think it was a uh, Changing the Minds of Black Inferiority. It was brainwashed uh, by, I think it was Tom Burrell. Mm -hmm. And in the book, he talked about how the DNA of like a man cheating and things of that nature, it sometimes is passed down. Mm -hmm. And what he was saying was, he was like, okay, you know, in slavery times, they used to have the buck. 
and they would break the family down by taking the man and taking the child away from their mother so they could not create that bond. Mm -hmm. And when you pass, when they took the buck around, the buck was the strong dude, the mandingo, you know what I'm saying? And they would pass him around from plantation to plantation to reproduce, reproduce and try to make something just as good or better as him. So, and I was telling him, I was like, do you not think if my great, great, great grandfather was passed around like that and then his mindset is not stable, then he has a son or 10 sons, he's not around, they treat them the same way. You don't think that's in your bloodline and your DNA to where sometimes you're cheating or like somebody will be like, I cheat like I change my socks. Right. But why do you do that? Right. You may not know, but subconsciously, it's something there from history that's still in you. That, you know, that's that, why they talk about breaking generational curses. Gotta break the generational curse. And here's another thing when it comes to that, what they, I think they don't understand is that as much as black men are given that position of power, uh, what slave owners understood, it was actually the black woman who had the most presidents because yes. it was the black woman who ultimately was the one that gave birth to the child, fed the child, nurtured the child, and actually gave life to the child. Mm -hmm. So when she saw this Mandingo warrior get put in between two horses, stretched out wide, broken, and broken, they go to the horses, they smack the horses on the ass, the horses go zits both ways. Full speed. Full speed and stretch him to his capacity. She saw Mandingo stretched out like that. Now she no longer can trust him because now he's broken. Mm -hmm. So now she raised her sons in the fear of that Mandingo warrior because she never wants to see that vision in her eyes again. But think about whooping. I talked to, I, I forgot who I talked to, but I sat down and I talked with this black professor and he was saying that he doesn't physically whoop his child with a belt. And I said, why? And he said, I don't because it's part of slavery. he said it's a part of slavery. Yeah. They used to do that to subdue you and keep you in line. Mm -hmm. So if you do that to your child to keep your child in line, you're passing down almost yeah. that same rule totally of thumb how they do that. Totally agree. And not to be funny, like you did, you, you, you were mentoring the other day at a school and you were talking about how you saw a kid raise his hand while you were talking, but you passed him up to finish your statement, but you came back to him. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about how not to tell the kids to shut up and allow them to be themselves and hear them out and let them create that thought exactly because if you don't allow your kid to speak from a place of freedom and not fear what kind of child are you raising yeah they're going to be enslaved to their own thoughts so my whole thing is that we have to you know with that as far as spanking and whooping you know and of course a lot of of us you know we we go back to the scripture you know spare the rod spoil the child all that stuff which is cool but i think it's misinterpreted because if you look back on the hebrew level yeah he was actually a shepherd. The rod was a rod of correction. Yeah. And you didn't hit the animal. You know, sheep is dumb. So yeah. what you do with the sheep is you guide him. You, got, you, get put him, you hit him in a direction of, like you said. Oh, my God. So you have to guide, you have to guide yeah. your kids with the rod of direction in the path that they should go, which is forward. And we were talking about that before we got on Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. When it comes to our kids, especially as fathers, we have to be able to see in their future yeah. And give them, say, who you are, what you will become. But right now, although you are a kid, I see a king. Let's create this bridge in between. And through our timeline, let's go ahead and get you to your final destination. Now, I know you're not the traditional person who goes to church like and you believe the way they do. You have your own mind when it comes to religion. So I know you have this thing going on called uh, Faith Moves. Tell me a little bit about that and where it came from. You know, Faith Moves, it came from the fact that I was in a place uh, last year, actually, where I was getting hit. Life was just... You know, you know, you know, boxing the phantom punches, right? Boy. Those are the worst ones, the ones Combo. that you can't see. Bob. Yeah. You know, you can't see those ones. No defense. Your guard is down. Your body's not tight. Yeah. You can't take the punch, and you find yourself falling. So I stood back up on my feet, and I'm like, I'm still in this fight. But then every time life was throwing something at me, I'm, I'm yeah. squinching to everything <laughs> and not doing my fight. And I realized, you know what? 
I'm no longer walking in faith. Somehow, some way, me, T.C. Hughes, yeah. I'm walking in fear. The moves that I need to make, I need to make them in faith. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's impossible to please God without it. Faith is so strong that faith was there with God. The only way God can look at the world and say it is good is he had to have faith right next to him and yeah. say, yes, I agree. So the only way that I can do what I need to do and say it is good, I got to have faith right next to me and make those faith moves. So what, how would you how would you tell somebody to have faith that may not, like not to be funny, I'm not the strongest believer. I, I feel like I had a great church foundation, right. but I feel like I was kind of... Um, shackled a little bit growing up with church because I was more, when it came to faith in church, I was more scared of falling out of God's grace as opposed to living my life and not understanding that he gives us graces and mercy. I feel like once you confess in your tongues that Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is your, you know, yeah. your, 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 whatever the word I'm looking for, right. I went blank. But I, I feel like you don't have to keep coming back to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like, you, don't. you know what I'm saying? It's like if I play for the Dallas Cowboys, and then I retire. I don't got to keep coming back to say I played for them and this is my t-. No, I already, you know, the record book and the stats show that. Right. But the way I was raised and the way I've heard other people being raised, is like every time you did something wrong, you backslide. You had to come back and tell what you did wrong and reconfess your, you know, your belief and that God is your Lord and Savior. And I'm like, you know, you shouldn't have to do that. Right. What is the graces and mercies for if... If we're not using them. Right. It's, I think people have to, and I answer both questions. I think on the first level, I think you answered it when you said, explain as far as they don't know about faith. Yeah. You said about this, I was scared. So I would explain faith is the opposite of fear. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite. Yeah. You know, I, I even explained on the, uh, the video last week, uh, Talk to TC, 2 p.m. Facebook, every Saturday, I, t- I said, it is something that's so important mm-hmm. that the Dr. Spencer Johnson said in his book, Who Moved My Cheese? Um... What is the question? The question is, what would I do, or what would you do, rather, mm-hmm. if fear was not present? Yeah. In the face of something that I need to do, or I want to do, there's a desire that I have, there's opposition that's going to always be there. Yeah. Because anything that's true is supposed to be able to withstand a test. True. So it's going to be there, and you got to ask yourself in that moment, what will I do right here, right now, about this thing, mm-hmm. if the fear to do this thing was not present? And when you figure out what you would do, simply do it. Yeah. Now, the, the, and like I said, as much as I may not believe in church in its whole entirety, it's one thing that I always echo uh, from Bishop Paul, the late Bishop Paul Cannon Jr. And I remember him saying, if you doubt religion and if you doubt church, if you doubt God, what are you losing if you live by the laws that he set out? Yeah. How bad can your life be if you don't? continuously smoke and get living cancer or if you have sex and have babies out of wedlock or if you get a disease from sex or if you whatever all these negative things he's like what if you do what he's actually asking us to do and you go to heaven or what if you do what he asked you to do and there's no heaven hasn't your life still been more beneficial beneficial. and and improved by doing the things that he said do I love the simplicity of that that's brutal and and, and when he said that I was like you know what that's kind of dope but then you got people that'll be like not to be funny, I was watching a, a, a piece from Tupac, mm-hmm. and Tupac said, all these churches, mm-hmm. he, was in, he was in New York, and he's like, it's a church on every corner, and it's churches that are taking up whole corners, and you got people that are poor with no place to live. He's like, why are you not bringing these people into the church to have somewhere to go? Why, why? He's like, why do I got to come to church to get what God has for me? Yeah. Why can't you bring that to me? Mm-hmm. And I think I've heard somebody say one time when I was voicing my displeasure with the way churches are running, it was like, well, it is a business. And I'm like, yeah, it's a business, but it should not be a business like Walmart where it's more about making a profit yeah. than it is about saving lives. And see, I think that's the beauty of what you and I do and people like us do, because honestly, when you can have, you know, the Bible says, uh, with two or three together, I'm in the mix. So where there is truth, 
and where there is conversation, yeah. then he's there because he is truth. Yeah. And he is conversation. True. He is the, the one thing that God did. He spoke. Yeah. And spoken word is one thing that makes us different from anything else on yeah. this on this earth. And he says that we're overcome by the words of our testimony. So when you and I and people like us can go outside the mm -hmm. church and, and do it in a different form where we can set up and broadcast faith, broadcast yeah. how do you make faith moves, why do you mentor, why are we doing how do you set up counsel for, for a community that's been so divided yeah. and, and distrusting of one another, how do you move to that next level? When we do that, brother, that is ministry. Now, you had another one of your quotes I told you, and this is called TC's Quotes. This is a section. Also, man, for the people on Facebook Live, I'm supposed to sit in with him for about 30 minutes, 30 minutes at, yeah. at 2 o'clock on what, what's your... Uh, talk to TC. Talk to TC. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you talked about, you said, find people to protect and guard your vision. How important is that, man? I know how important it is. Yeah. I'm going to tell, tell you why it's so important. Because oftentimes the people that we talk to and tell our dreams to sometimes be the ones that try their best to bury it with their negative thinking. And oftentimes, especially for little kids, they, here's my dream, here's what I want to do. And because you have people who have forfeited their own right to their dream, yeah. they try to get you to forfeit, forfeit yours. your right to yeah. your dream. So it's very important that you find people that's going to be, is what I call them, the dream pushers. Yeah. They're going to push you. But, how, but how hard do you go? Because I just had this conversation with my girl the other day, and I told her, I said, hey, you know, I'm 34 years old, I'll be 35. We both graduated later in life as opposed to like 22 right, right. To the traditional way yeah. you know what I'm saying so and we had classes together and being 34 I was like you know what everybody always tells me this podcast is great or even with me doing photography and having my business oh it's great it's great it's great but a lot of times I'm like I could easily go back to corporate mm -hmm. and find a job making $80,000 $70,000 whatever the case may be but it's like I don't want to be bound by corporate mm -hmm. but sometimes I think and I'm like am I that old ass basketball player but just in this you know, in this radio thing that's like, man, I'm going to keep shooting my shot until I get on. Somebody got to see me. Mm -hmm. But it's like when you say find someone to protect your dreams, what about you protecting your own dreams? Oh, yeah. Because sometimes you got to find out, hey, do I go back to corporate and make this money or do I keep pursuing my dream? Or do you give up, have a kid and try and put, you know, because sometimes that's what happens. People give up on their dreams. They have a kid and then they push the life or their dreams or expectations they have for themselves yeah. on their kids, through their, through their kids. So yeah. how important is it to just keep fighting until, like, when do you feel like, hey, stop trying to get this dream? Because not to be funny, not everybody's going to be able to do what they want to do in life. I think this, I think it's twofold. I think on one level, you know, when you say people are not going to be able to always do what they want to do, I think that comes down to the timing of it and the True. commitment of it. Because I had a mentor told me you can do anything you want to as long as you dedicate your, your mind and commit your time. Mm -hmm. So on that level, you can do anything, but it's when you do it. Because while you can do everything, you can't do all things. Sure. You have to do some things at one time. So it's this, how do you stagger life? Mm -hmm. How do you make faith moves that's going to get you from level to level, grace to grace, yeah. glory to glory? That's the importance of that. On the next level, you talked about, you know, how do we have faith in ourselves? How do we continue to, you know, if no one else is believing, you got to find, as I call, what is that problem on the inside of you? Yeah. And here's what I mean, because everyone in this world, everyone, everyone, me, you, everyone listening across this world, we were all created to solve a problem mm -hmm. in life. If there is something that bugs you, that bothers you, that gets at you, that you like, you know what? I don't like what that, that looks. I don't like how that, that sounds. I don't like what that represents. If that still continues to lives on the inside of yeah. you, then and we're going to talk about this later on, on, on my show, 
that your passion gives you the permission to pursue a thing. Do you know what I just said? Your passion <laughs> gives you the permission to pursue it. Yeah. And as long as you still have that inside of you, yeah. then it is your indicator that you can go after it, you can uh, have success, and if you, by chance, you fail, you can still conquer and recover all. Yeah, I agree. Now, I want to switch it, change gears a little bit. I told you, we, you know, we, we got about 15, 20 minutes before I jump off here and get with you. So, I wanted to talk about relationships from our perspective, from a black man's perspective. Uh-oh, talk to uh, me. Oh, straight, bro. Straight talk. So, when you look at it like this, I was talking, having a conversation with some of my friends last night, and we were talking about how social media has changed dating. Yeah. So, with that question, somebody said, hey, TC, how has social media actually changed dating? What would be your response? You know, it's allowed us to put our our our, our best on, on the table. Yeah. We and I, I call it a lot of times we we have so many Facebook philosophers. Yeah, now, you know what I mean. Got a whole bunch of Facebook philosophers and and all this other type of stuff where we're on there and we're we're giving an image, but there is no identity. No identity behind it. No identity behind it. And that's the crazy thing, right? Some people post every day, every five minutes, with all this all this style and glitz and glamour. Yeah. But no substance. No substance, bro. And so it's, but it's given us a platform to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's taken away the idea. I once said, you know, from, from a man's perspective, you know, chivalry ain't dead, but it is on life support. Oh, it's, it, well, the thing about it, too, is I think a lot of women blame men for not, and, and, and vice versa. But from a male's perspective, then I feel like a lot of women will blame men. And I'm like, but look at the bait that you're putting out there for these men. Mm -hmm. You all have a woman. Like, you'll see these memes where it's a woman like, oh, don't send no dick pics to my DM. Yeah, but, but your you're on there yeah, yeah. with your ass out and your breast out. Yeah. What else he's supposed to do besides have his loaf in his hand? Yeah, yeah. Have a picture. Have you know what I'm saying? You know, with yeah, with your cleavage. So yeah, it's like, what? Yeah. yeah, and then it's like you still want respect. Not saying that all women don't deserve respect, but it's like, do you respect yourself? Mm -hmm. And I think with the whole thing, and, and I'm not, I love Amber Rose. I've said that a million times. Right. But when you have marches like the slut walk and stuff like that, it's like you're kind of like basically backing and championing being a whore right? or dressing like one. Right. I ain't gonna lie. I don't like breasting ass just like the next man. Talk to me. But it's like you can't sit up there and get mad at men for looking at you in a way that you're actually pre uh, presenting yourself as. Right, right. It's almost like the two sides of one coin, you know. I want to do this to present myself this way because I know the attention that it garners. It, it go yeah. But then again, I don't like the response that I get. And I think dating on social media allows. Now, you know how they used to always be like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Right. With social media, you can put all your eggs in, in one basket, basket yeah, you're right because you're going to win regardless. All you got to do is shoot a shot in the dark. You're going to hit something. <laughs> you're going to hit something. One of them bound to go in. One right? of them bound to go in. But not even one. It used to be able to say one. Now it's going to say at least five going to go in. Yeah. I was talking to somebody and I was talking about how dating, I feel like a lot of times we have false expectations for ourselves when dating. I'll say this to men and women. And what I mean by that, you'll have a lot of men out here that are overweight, mm -hmm. especially black men. Overweight right. ain't got shit going for themselves. Right. But they want that dime piece. Mm -hmm. They want that, you know, they want that yeah, it yeah, girl. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. you don't even, you don't even have that to offer right. to her. Right. But that's what you're looking for. Or you'll have that woman who's overweight or not even about being overweight. Cause it's not that you can't be beautiful and be overweight. I don't think everybody's made to be the same, right. but when I look in the mirror and I tell people, when you look in the mirror, what is your realistic expectation? You can't look in the mirror and you are, I like to be real. You're a three. Let's just go off the societal numbers, one to scale, one to 10 scale. Yeah. And you're a three and you look in the mirror, but you out there hunting down an Idris Elba type dude. Right. 
Come on, man. Yeah. Or you're on dating sites and you're like, hey, I want a man who's making 100 or 150000 when you're only bringing in 30000 Right. What are you talking about? That ain't, that ain't your pay scale. That's not your pay scale. So I feel like our expectations are unrealistic. And sometimes I hear women talk about things or men talk about things and what they want. And I know these people and I'm looking and I'm like, you don't even have to offer what you're asking for. Exactly. Like what? And another way, a great way to put it is like, have you invested the same return that you're looking for? Yeah. Most people have it. And most people haven't. Most people have not. Yeah. And I look at it. I look at it like this, too. With social media, it's opened up a lot of interracial dating. It has. So I've had the conversation. And, and, and this is one thing you get from a lot of black women. When you start talking about interracial dating, Uh-oh. you'll hear a black woman be like, oh, y'all just on these white women and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, people do not understand that interracial dating is not just black and white. It's not. I had a, one of my white homegirls, I was talking to her yesterday, and I saw a picture of her brother, and, and um, he had his arm around a girl, and I was like, that girl looked black, but I know her family, and I'm like, outside of her, they don't really fuck with no interracial dating. Right. But when I saw him, and I hit her up, and I was like, hey, your brother with a sister? She was light-skinned, and she was like, no, he's Tahitian. She's Tahitian. I was like, so he still is interracial dating. Right. Well, she's Hawaiian. Just because her complexion is fair-skinned, just like your, him, yeah. don't mean that they're not interracial dating. Right. She don't got to be a whole nother complexion for it to be interracial dating. Yeah. But what is the fear, especially amongst people, especially in the black community, about dating and black men dating outside of our race? Why do you think we get so much flack when black men date outside their race? Especially a good brother like you or, you know, just any other dude. What, what was like, or not even, let's go across the line to Serena Williams dating, getting ready yeah, to marry why, yeah. why people be so mad about this shit, bro? You know, I, I said, because I even broke, uh, what, a couple of years ago, back when we were actually in class at UTA, uh, uh, a topic about, you know, uh, why men date outside their race when mm-hmm. it comes to, you know, marrying up and all the different things like that. Uh, I think a lot of times we get flack, especially from black women, because black women internally are still hurting because of everything that happened with slavery. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that, too, most of us, or not most of us, a large percentage of us are incarcerated. Yeah. Or a large percentage of us don't have our shit together. Yeah. You know, we're trying, but yeah. we don't. But we don't. Yeah. We don't have our shit together. So there is this... You know, Dr. King said a quote that I love. I say it all the time. He said, there could be no great disappointment where there's first not a great love. Yeah. And I think that the, the underlying thing is why black women get so disappointed when they see us with other races of women, particularly white women, is because ultimately there's a great love with that. There's a need, there's a desire mm. for us to be with them, to protect them. Yeah. That, same, that same sister who was on the plantation, who was, you know, uh, laying down her life and being raped so that you and I can Could live, can and, live. Sure. and so that the master wouldn't kill, kill us, us yeah. you know, cause or all send the, us off. Yeah, because yeah. all, all the time, you know, it, it, she she wasn't sitting there like holding back. A lot yeah. of times she put herself up for ransom so that we can live. live. You know what I mean? So there's a long history of how much they've gotten down for Birth us. Birth of a nation spoke to them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so they, it's so much that they, they feel they've done for us and they have done for us. Dr. King and a lot of other great black men, they didn't have the Corettas in their life. Yeah. Look at President Obama. Yeah. If he didn't have Michelle, who, who would he have been? So a lot of it is, listen, we've invested so much in you, black yeah. men. 
what have you returned black to the black woman? And I think there's just a conversation that needs to be had because on one level, you have the black man who looks to say, okay, black woman, you're no longer the apple of my eye. Yeah. But on the same level, you got the black woman with all this distrust to say, yeah. you no longer have my ear. But you shouldn't be with a black... I mean, when, when you talk like that, and I get it, but I, it, it popped up in my head and I was like, but you shouldn't ever be with a, a, a woman or anybody of your race out of obligation. You shouldn't Because be if you look at it like that and you start thinking like that, you will have some people that are like, I'm just with this person out of obligation. Because what, not to be funny, I tell black women are so good to us sometimes to a point to where we don't even deserve it, right. if I'm being honest. But it's one of those things to where it's like if in your heart you feel like you fell in love with somebody else, I'm, I'm cool with interracial dating as totally, long totally as cool. you are doing it because you are you attracted to, to this yeah. person, you want to do it, it's not a, a, a fling or a fad or a uh, fetish, mm -hmm. do what you want to do. But I think the issue you're not is... you your own. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Because I think, now I was about to say, that's the biggest thing I think that black women have with it is you'll date outside of your race and then you will almost denounce exactly. the black woman. Yeah. I think they're okay with it as long as you don't denounce it. But not to be funny, it's so much denouncing that every time they see a brother with not even a white woman, like what? what is that... Um, the brothers, when he was like, she yeah, was uh, yeah. a Mexican. Oh, that's a white woman with a taco. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So it's like they don't care. It's like they'll just see a fair-skinned woman and be like, oh, he with a white woman. Mm -hmm. And it's like they go ape shit. And it's like, I understand that. But I think also amongst the black community, we have to be able to learn to have intentional conversations about why we do what we do and how we are unhappy. If you voice your opinion about what you need, what you want, you should be good. But I also think the reason it's like a, we, we bump heads is because, and it comes back to the man. It comes back to the man, and I tell people all the time, whatever the slave masters and the masters did on the plantation, they had a good layout and a plan. Because so many men run away leaving their families by themselves, and you have black women raising other black women to be strong, independent, hardworking. If you don't work, you don't eat. And not to be funny, that's the same lesson and message that men are taught. So then you got a strong black man and a strong black woman coming together, and they're butting heads because you're pretty much your DNA is damn near the same on what how to survive in life and how to be. To where it's like you got black women that don't know how to be submissive, you got black men that don't take care of their families, and then we're we end up repeating that cycle, turn each other down. Yeah. But then, not to be funny, you have white families that go through divorce, but we know their marriage rates are higher than ours. Their uh, longevity of those marriages are higher than ours. So you have black white women teaching their daughters, hey, it's okay to cook and have a career. It's okay to sexually please your man. Or as one of my last guests said, bend your knees. Yeah, right. It's okay to do that. Right. So then you come into a situation to where, like we talked about before the podcast, you go and you're trying to get some from a, 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 a white chick and you can you ain't got to ask questions or put disclaimers on before you get in the bed. Right. But a black woman, you got to put disclaimers yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. No, I ain't no. I'm probably not swallowing or yeah, whatever the case like, may be. Like, what is your comfort level? Yeah, what yeah. is your comfort And it's yeah. no, and when you date, I've, and these are personal experiences. Yeah. From dating white women, I've never had to have that conversation. Yeah. Not to be funny, we just kind of learn on the cuff. Yeah. It just happens and you go. Just, you're just natural. And I think that's the thing. You said it so well, you know, having conversation, you know, conversation about things that affect us, you know, from a, a black man, black woman standpoint, it has to be had yeah. because... I think again, it goes back as we as we're saying, we're echoing the, the mistrust, the letdown, you know, the doubt. You know, you have the the women who raise their, their daughters to be extra strong. You yeah. have the women who raise their, their sons to be timid because they don't want their sons to be hurt and yeah. abused. And so there's so much of this role reversal of distrust and dishonesty that there's no conversation that can heal the community. And once the conversation of healing happens and everything else, the bedroom will be better. Yeah. You know, True. the business of the house will be better. True. And two, you got to also look at, you know, talking about the black man for that standpoint. When us or we as black men 
take ownership, you know, because any woman, black, white, whatever, they love a man who has a plan. Yeah. So when black men, we get back to the point where we really have a plan for our family, for our house, yeah. you know, and she can trust your voice. She's gonna be down. She's gonna be down. And I think that's and I think that's real too. And that's why I say I never blame black women for their anger. Yeah. Or and I won't even use the word anger. I don't blame them for their feelings yeah. and their emotions towards the situation. It's no fault of theirs. It's yeah. no fault of theirs. Yeah. And I tell people if you really look at everything from what is happening in our society, it all starts back with the black man. Mm-hmm. We are the leaders of this community. Yeah. But we can't lead either without a good woman holding us up. Because how many times in this spotlight, I know for me, even doing podcast photography and just having a business, if I didn't have my girl behind me, bro, I, I'm telling you, yeah, I probably would have been. Because you're on the back quit. side of that camera, everything that comes with it. Yeah, it comes, it, it comes yeah, with it. it, and, comes with it. And, that's so, and that's the thing about it. I think as a man, too, when you do have, I think what makes it harder, too, is when you are a man who has a plan, who has a little money in the bank, who's a little bit successful, and you have a goal, it makes you more attractive. Absolutely. And then you have women coming at you. And I tell people all the time, shoot in the dark, bro. You're going to hit something, man. Mm-hmm. You're going to hit something. But on top of that, you have to learn. You don't have to say yes to everything. Just because you can have all these women don't mean that you right, should. Right. Now, I know it's a point in time when you're going to you know, dibble and dabble because you got to get life experience. But I always try to tell men, and I tell women all the time, every man has dog in them. Mm-hmm. But is he on, do we got that dog on the leash or is he letting it run wild? Because we all got the thoughts. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, which dog are you? Are you the poodle? Yeah. Or are you the walk wall? You yeah. know, which, which level which, are you which level of dog are you? Yeah. And like you said, to your point, you know, which do you have it on a leash? Can you control it? Yeah. I said uh, a couple of weeks ago um, on Heavy 97, uh, doing, doing the motivational inspiration that, you know, I got to a point where I've learned how to uh, not only respect my strength, but also recognize and respect my weaknesses. Yeah, that's true. And that's very important, especially with men. We have to respect our weaknesses. Okay. We're going to get ready to wrap it up, man. Like I said, I, we got to do we this again because so I literally want to do like two We got hours. so much to talk about. Yeah, yeah man. But so I, I wanted to, if you had to tell somebody, with you being a mentor and a philanthropist, what would you tell men out there, not even just black men, what would you tell men if you just about mentorship and how it can benefit and change our communities? What message would you give to them to, you know, reach one, teach one type of situation with mentorship? Yeah, great. Reach one, teach one. Uh, I would tell men this. You don't have to be perfect, but you must be present. Yeah. Now, we don't have to, for those men who have failed to uh, step up and be fathers, then there's a man around the corner who can't step in and fulfill that role. We have to collectively um, look at our boys and understand that these are kings, you know, kings of the next generation, leaders of tomorrow. And if we don't reach them, if we don't teach them, if we don't love them, and if we don't give them words of affirmation, Look into them and say, although you're a kid, I see a king. I'm going to show you how to get there. Even through my foolishness, I'm going to show you the wisdom of the way. If we don't do that, then we failed ourselves. Yeah. The legacy, we felt our blackness. And, 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 and let's even take it off of blackness, just kids in general. Yeah. If we don't do that, then we have failed. We are here. You know, Maya Angela has a great quote. She said, uh, well, she said, when you get, you give. When you learn, you teach, dot, 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 be the rain." the rainbow in someone else's sky. Yeah. It's very important that we give back because, you know, at the end of the day, it's what you give people that matters. Oh, yeah, of course. And I feel good when I give. Yeah, I think sure. a lot of people give for, you know, some kind of agenda, but I tell people all the time, I don't go to church, I don't tithe, but when I give, my tithing is 
doing something for somebody else, mm-hmm. whether it's a friend who doesn't have money and we going out for drinks and I'm like, I got you. Or if a person is short on rent and I'm like, hey, I got a few dollars I can pitch your way. Or, you know, if it's a homeless person, you know, a lot of people try to dictate what they give a homeless person. Like, you know, if he if, if you go and get him food and he like, I don't want that food. I'm gonna tell you like this. I always give money. And the reason I give money, even if they go buy a beer or drugs or whatever, they're at the lowest point in their life. And the way I look at it is, who am I to dictate what you do with your life? But if I, if you go, you know, drink a beer or smoke a joint and it helps you get through that next day, you do what you do. Right. My blessing was when I gave you that money, God knows my heart and I keep it moving. Before we get out from man, tell them where they can find you and reach you. At, man, um, uh, TC Hughes, everything, social media. Uh, also visit the website, TonyCurtisHughes.com. A little bit more about mentorship. Uh, definitely uh, talk to TC. Facebook, 2 p.m. every Saturday. Uh, listen, we, we have a great campaign that we're about to start uh, working with. My man right here, got a podcast is going to come up. We're really trying to push the needle conversation that yeah. counts. It's really important um, that we have conversation and collaborative yeah. conversation. To, to push really, each other. To push each other, to you know challenge each other, to make each other get to that next level. To your last point before we leave. If I could tell anybody something about from the heart of a kid, when I look into these kids' eyes mm-hmm. and I when, you, when I when I talk to them, you know the one thing they're looking for? They look for someone just to say or say to them, Am I worth loving? Bro, you know what? As 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 a grown ass man, you look for that. Am I worth And I tell so many and, and I tell so many sisters, learn how to stroke your man's ego. Yeah. Speak life yeah. into him. And, and, and reciprocity is so real. And what I mean by that is so many times we get in relationships and we're looking for what we can get out of them. And I always tell people, if you go in and you listen to your man or your woman, and they'll tell you everything they need. Normally within the first month of you dating, you're finding out about that person. Yeah. If you're listening, you'll know everything you need to do. And if, if it's something as simple as like, if your girl likes to go to the museum, take her to the museum once every other month. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee when it's time where the football, the game on, and you're giving her something she needs, she'll sit down and she won't be walking in front of the TV or maybe she'll watch the game with you. It's those little things to where it's like, if you do for them, they'll do for you. But so many relationships are jumping in, wanting something from somebody else and they're leaving, you know, and, and, and it's causing breakups and, and divorces and marriages. Reciprocity, but Reciprocity, man. That's the thing. So we're about to jump on uh, Facebook Live with TC, uh, talk with TC. I'll be on there for about 30 minutes. So if you want, go to T... Uh, Tony Curtis on, I think your name is T.C. Hughes on Facebook. T.C. Hughes, yeah. Yeah, so they can just go to T.C. Hughes yeah, on TC Facebook, Hughes. and we'll be live on there in a little bit. Um, if you want to find it, uh, keep following us. You can go to www.therealityis.com. That's T-H-A, therealityis.com. If you want to email us, be on the show, send us an audio message, you can hit us up at info at therealityis.com. You can keep up with me on social media at Anthony Roberts on Facebook, Sir Robert Poe on Instagram, and on The Reality Is, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Snapchat. We're on there. Always remember, never forget this. Always remember to inhale courage to excel success. We'll catch y'all on next week. Yeah, I heard this one before.
Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC. Today on News 4 at 4, we're working for you. An inside look at the local COVID vaccine trial for kids. What children reported days after getting the shot and how it could impact the timeline of kids being vaccinated. Today at 4 p.m. on NBC4. Tonight, it's the Voice Live Rounds, and Nick Jonas wants his first win. Let's get this done. Who's got what it takes and whose dream ends here? Watch live and vote to save your faves. The Voice Live Rounds, tonight on NBC.